Guide to the Night Sky for August 2008. My name is Stephanie Perello. I'm Senior Astronomy Educator at Sydney Observatory. If you'd like to become familiar with the night sky, you'll want to spend some time outside at night. But first, get ready with a few simple things. Print off the sky map at www.sydneyobservatory.com blog and download this podcast. Prepare a torch fitted with a red filter. You can use red cellophane or tissue paper and secure it with tape or a rubber band. This is important because you want your eyes to adapt to the dark so you can see as much as possible in the night sky. And the red light helps keep your dark adaption better than white light. Dress warmly and grab your gear. Go outside on a cloudless night. Sit or lay yourself down comfortably. Look up and listen to this guide. Do you remember where the sun set? I hope so, because that's going to help you find your way around now. The sun sets in the western part of the sky. In August, it sets just a bit north of due west, but that's okay. Once you know where west is, the other directions fall into place. Facing west, north is to your right, south is to your left, and east is behind you. Of course, you don't have to face west the whole time, just so long as you remember which direction is which. Looking directly upwards, you see the constellation of Scorpius the Scorpion. This is one of the most easily recognizable constellations in the sky and one of the main features of the Australian winter sky. It's a curved group of bright stars and it's one of the few constellations in the sky that actually look something like what it's named after. A bit to the north, we have the claws of the scorpion and a little bit to the south, we see the actual tail of the scorpion. One of the stars at the end of the tail is known as Shwala, which in Arabic means to sting, and that star does represent the end of the tail of Scorpius. There's also the bright star Antares, which represents the heart of the scorpion. Antares is a red star, and appropriately, its name means the rival of Mars which is known as the red planet. From our vantage point on Earth, on occasion, Mars can appear to move close to Antares, and then the similarity between the red planet Mars and the red star Antares is quite striking. Antares is a giant star, greatly expanded near the end of its life cycle. As its outer surface became larger, it also cooled down. If it was placed instead of our own sun, Antares would engulf the entire inner solar system out to the orbit of Mars. This will happen to our own sun at the end of its life cycle, but not for another 5,000 million years. High in the eastern part of the sky, fairly prominently, is the constellation of Sagittarius the Archer. The stars are not as bright as the stars in Scorpius, but they're just below Scorpius, so they're easy to find due east. They're also known to many people as the teapot. The four stars below represent the handle. Then the stars to the left represent the lid of the teapot, and above are the stars forming the spout of the teapot. To the left or north, and a little bit below Sagittarius, we find the constellation of Aquila the Eagle, and that constellation is easily recognizable by the bright star Altair. 
Altair has two stars on either side. If we go over to the northern part of the sky, we see the constellation of Baotes the Herdsman, containing the red star Arcturus, the Bear Guard. Below Arcturus and to its right, over in the east, we find the constellation of Lyra, the musical lyre. The brightest star in Lyra, Vega, is a very well-known northern hemisphere star, and being in the southern hemisphere, we don't see it very often, except at this time of year. Over in the west, below Scorpius, we find the star Spica, the brightest star in the constellation of Virgo, the Maiden. One way of finding Spica is to look to the western sky for a group of four stars forming a somewhat distorted rectangle. That's the constellation of Corvus the Crow. And two of the stars in Corvus point upwards to the star Spica. In the southwest, two bright pointer stars show the way to the Southern Cross. You'll find this tiny constellation written as crooks on most star maps. Surrounding the Southern Cross on three sides is the constellation of Centaurus the Centaur. The stars that point to the Southern Cross, known as the pointer stars, are the two brightest stars in the constellation of Centaurus, and are known in order of brightness as Alpha and Beta Centauri. Okay. A partial eclipse of the moon takes place on the early morning of Sunday, the 17th of August. Visible throughout Australia, the moon will set before it exits the Earth's shadow for all except the west of Western Australia. For those places where the peak of the eclipse is reached before moonset, the maximum of 81% of the moon's width will be in the shadow of Earth. The eclipse starts at 5.36 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and the moon sets at 6.32 a.m. for the East Coast on the 17th. Planets in August include Venus, low in the west in Leo, moving with Mercury into Virgo near the end of August. On the 6th of August, Venus passes about two moon widths from Regulus. On the 13th of August, you'll need a clear horizon to the west to see Venus have a close encounter with Saturn, passing less than one moon width from it. Mars is in the west, moving from Leo into Virgo during the second week of August. On the 4th of August, the crescent moon is to the left of Mars. Jupiter is high in the east in Sagittarius. On the 13th of August, a gibbous moon is above and to the right of Jupiter. Saturn is low in the west in Leo, and it disappears into twilight during the second half of August. On the 3rd of August, a crescent moon is below and to the left of Saturn. This completes the guide for the night sky for August 2008, this comes from the Sydney Observatory blog, www.sydneyobservatory.com slash blog.